You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Imaginate presents Character 101s for Mr. Freeze. Uh, we're doing Mr. Freeze this week because uh, if you're up to date on your Gotham TV show, he is the new uh, big baddie. Uh, the first two episodes of them coming back from their their mid season like hiatus is uh, Mr. Freeze, basically as the as the bad. Yep, another one of the major characters in Batman's Rogue Gallery to finally make it to the small screen. Other than the comic books, you could have seen him in uh, the animated series. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series, which was very revolutionary for the character. Um, his first movie appearance, actually only a movie appearance, right? Yeah, only movie appearance with Batman and Robin, what, 1997? Yeah, Batman and Robin, 1997 with Uma Thurman and George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell. O'Donnell yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, those, uh, and, and that's, you know, very interesting uh, point about his character in that as well. Um Let's get to his first appearance in comic book. Well, actually, before we get to that, uh, I had put it out there on uh, Geek Elite uh, Radio fam- Facebook page. Uh, what would be your top three Batman villains? Ooh, okay. You know, honestly, I guess like I'm, I'm always a sucker for stories of redemption and things like that. So for me, the big baddie is Two-Face. That's my number one pick. Really? Yep. I just... You know, Harvey Dent, I mean... It's interesting because whenever you read comics, and I think this would be a great Elseworlds, you know, imagine, <laughs> I'm using our tagline, imagine if, imagine if he didn't get the acid to the face. Okay. Would he have just stayed this righteous prosecutor, or would he eventually just put on his own face and go out there and either be, like, fighting off mega crime or creating crime? You know what I mean? Like, it, because they always, like, I mean, obviously when he was first created, there wasn't much of the, 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 the psychology behind him. And as the character has grown and whatnot, we've discovered that, like, Harvey Dent was a very dark and twisted soul. And again, Batman the Animated Series, they did some really good stuff for the character of Harvey Dent. I mean, we were seeing Two-Face before the acid, you know, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Harvey Dent, I think that for a character who uh, didn't start out as a villain, or at least that's how... They uh, have gone back and retro, ret- yeah. retconned it so that he was... He the, was always, like, the DA. He was the DA, right. And he was uh, he was good friends with Bruce Wayne before, yeah. you know, buddies. That, that happened. But uh, I think his psychosis, if if he would never have got the acid to the face, which just was just the catalyst to start it, right. it still would have boiled in, up inside of him and oh, yeah. to the point where he exploded. We might not have gotten the whole uh, coin flip, two-face persona but right he but still would have been, been a bad guy yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. still would have been something like god could you imagine like you know him losing a court case and then just going in there and opening fire you know i mean not to get like crazy dramatic but it, i think he would have he would have just gone super oh I, I, I could have seen so. it i could definitely seen him as a as as, as becoming lockdown you know like you could yeah been, that's true it's uh, a good way to look very, at that very very much so um yeah. well they, they even did that remember that there was an episode of where he was kidnapped by the judge right and it turns out he was, he was the, the judge, judge. yeah. <laughs> and Batman finds that out because of the the trophy that Dent won. That yeah. had the thing. But but yeah, exactly. That, that was another persona that he. Had. There was also the story in uh, No Man's Land, okay. where they he had to appeal to the Harvey Dent side of of Two Face and be like, "I need you to try this case." And even though it's not a real case, it was. I don't remember who was on on trial. I think it was actually Two Face was on trial. Oh no, kidding! But Harvey was was pro- had to prosecute Two Face, which is you know goes to show how split his his. Oh yeah, uh, his I mean they're is. sharing the same head, but the thoughts are clearly separated. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Yeah, so he's he's definitely my top pick because it's it's interesting because they've even kind of gone back and done that to like Bruce Banner, you know, where they've gone back and they've had this whole like dark past. You know, like kind of stealing it from uh, Dexter, but you know the Dark Passenger. Right. So I just I don't know. I think that's kind of neat. So he's definitely he's my number one pick. Um, My number two. Gosh, that's a tough one. I guess 
I, I and, and this one's a tough one because she always goes all over the place. But I, I like Catwoman. Okay. Um, I always love a good Catwoman story because she puts Batman in a very interesting place because obviously there's the shared romance and you know it's she wants him but she can't walk his way. He wants her but he can't walk her way. And it's so tragic, but the stories are always so neat. And you often wonder, like, well, what's he going to do? You know, is he actually going to, like, take her to jail? Or is he going to let her off? Or, you know, so it's always it's always neat when they're playing their little game of cat and mouse. So I always appreciate her stories. I always look forward to them. True. And, and she's, I mean, she's she's a cat burglar. So she's, all she's really doing is stealing things. Maybe if someone gets in her way, she'll knock him out yeah. to get away. But she's not out there trying to kill anybody and and plus with her being a cat burglar too she's robin hood she's never gone and been like oh look at this poor family who has a hundred dollars i'm taking it no No, she took like you know a hundred thousand from some scumbag and gave the poor family like hey here's a thousand bucks or something you know yeah (laughs) oh she took quite a cut but you know but it's still it's like oh that's awesome there's a great story um in injustice year one where she's off stealing some stuff uh she's taking like some diamonds from this rich you know businessman and Superman comes. And, of course, you know, they're fighting, and, and she's got kryptonite earrings. So no, he kind of, like, burns that. them off, and she throws them into the water. And, and he talks to her, and it's funny, because even Superman's like, look, I'm not here to stop you from what you're doing. It's just Bruce needs you. You know, Bruce Wayne had just or in this Nightwing had just died. Yeah, Nightwing had uh, just died in this, like, Injustice universe. And so, I mean, she holds a very pivotal role. So it's one of those things where it's like, I feel if she were to go, like, really dark, really bad... Oh man, that would screw Bruce up so bad. <laughs> it's true, because you know it's it's watching the love of your life become the hardest thing you hate. Well, I think that's one th- funny thing about Bruce is that he has many loves of his life. For a man who's true. who's had who suffered a lot of tragedy in his life, he's also had a lot of loves. Like every time there's a, there's a new woman, I mean, look, at, I mean, <laughs> Talia is not the best woman for him to be with. Well, you know She's the the heiress to the demon head. Well, you know what's interesting and I look at that. I feel like Talia actually loves Bruce Wayne. And Catwoman loves Batman, but she's accepted Bruce Wayne. I, like I know that's you no, know, I, I don't I, know if I, that I get what you're saying. But you know, it's like I mean, if anybody else had been under that mask when Selena Kyle as Catwoman met him, she probably would have been attracted to that. You know, it's kind of like the Spider-Man black cat thing. Mm-hmm. But like Ra's al Ghul and Talia and that whole part of Batman's life, they came into Bruce Wayne's world. Yeah, you know, I mean they kidnapped Dick Grayson and they're like, "Hey, we've got Rob." Like they didn't hide it; they were just like, "We know one hundred percent your life," and they went after it. So I feel like Talia's like, "I love this man. I love what Bruce Wayne is," you know, which is amazingly rare and whatnot. So. I feel like she's a deeper love, but it is funny, yeah, because he does. He's like James Bond, you know? Yeah. There was Vicki Vale in the 1989 movie, and then they brought her into the comics for a little while. Well, they brought her back because she was there. Uh, Kathy Kane was somebody that Batman was running after. That's who they you know? ended up killing in uh, Batman Fu- or Bruce Wayne Fugitive, wasn't it? Vicki Vale? Was it? it was, oh, no, think... wasn't that Vesper, Vesper Fairchild? Was it Vesper? I think so. Oh, okay. I think. I, I don't really remember because that was. I was kind of getting out of the Batman books. Cause it, oh, man, that was. Like, I'm so sad because I missed out on No Man's Land and the amazing epic that it was. But it was so tough because at the time, it's like, you got to buy this book and this book and this book oh, and this book. Batman and... expanded quite a oh, bit of books Jesus. in, that, in that, that era. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't buying all of it, you weren't getting the story. No. And it's not even like, oh, well, I missed the, you know, like, I'm, I don't care what happens to Tim Drake or Dim Gray- Dick Grayson. No, it was all of it was there. Even even the trade for No Man's Land is, is I think think like four trades oh like, god it's they're these huge. like yeah like here's your fifth edition of the phone book here you go <laughs> yeah which someday i will eventually track those down and seclude myself and read them <laughs> uh and your third my third pick oh gosh this is an interesting now see part of me wants to go you know obviously i would love to put the joker on this list but you know it, it's one of those ones where i like joker stories um, and I even sympathize with the character, and obviously the nostalgia factor is kicking in with the whole upcoming Batman. Uh, oh God, I feel like a horrible fan. I should know the name. The Killing Joke, you know things oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a Death in the Family. Th- those were amazing stories. But all right, I think I got this one. Joe Chill. Joe Chill. Okay. Joe Chill. Because is that considered a, a is that a Batman villain though, or is that a Bruce Wayne villain? Like because he killed the, the Waynes. He created Batman. Exactly. He created Batman. <laughs> well, actually, this is funny. This makes me think in terms of creation, the worst Batman villain is Bob Kane because he screwed <laughs> Bill Finger so bad. 
That True. is the worst villain of all. No, sorry. I, I do appreciate Bob Kane, but, you know, that was a dick move. Um, at least even he's recognized it, and Warner Brothers and DC are doing a lot to finally get Bill, Bill, Bill Finger right, yeah. Uh, if you don't know anything about Bill Finger, please go out there, educate yourself. Hell of a man. Did a lot for comic books um, and just he really kind of, you know, left it in the darkness on it, which is really sad. And he's the, he's the reason for the Batman that you you know today. Exactly, yeah. The other Batman, the you wouldn't read that one. The one that Bob Kane created is not the same as the one that you, you know today. Yeah, but um, No, but I definitely I think I'm sticking with Joe Chill because some really good stories that come out of it. So um, I remember when I was a kid, I bought this little tour paperback book. And it was basically a collection of the three-issue miniseries, The Untold Legend of the Dark Knight, or The Untold Legend of Batman. I forget how they phrased it. And so basically what happens is you're in the Batcave, and stuff starts exploding, and stuff's going crazy. And Batman's got to sit down and think about, okay, who is it? Who is it? Who did this? Who did this and why? And he's like just visiting his whole story. And we discover at first that the Waynes were killed because of you know, uh, a confrontation that happened with Lou Moxon, I think the name was. And, mm-hmm. and then he hired gunman Joe Chill and, and, you know, things like that. But as and, and obviously Joe Chill was more of a footnote in that history. But it was still just this amazing story because the confrontation with Batman to Joe Chill, he takes off his mask and he's like, you, you made me. And like it was to a point where like, you know, he scares Joe and he's like, you know, he just lets him run and then joe runs up to a bunch of other guys and he's like i was the guy who created batman i killed his parents and they're like you you made that masked manhunter that sent my brother up the river and they just shoot him to death and he's kind of like just standing standing by idly like well you know hey i'll take it you know and um of course he brings those gunmen to justice but as they've explored it more and more and more and most recently with um batman uh, God of Knowledge. It was the, the 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 Justice League War Batman one shot, and Jeff Johns. Actually, I don't think Jeff Johns wrote that one, but they they took a spin where now Batman has the knowledge of Metron, and he goes after Joe Chill. And the thing is, like I've seen Batman angry, but when he sees Joe Chill, he is like foaming at the mouth. Like it's literally to a point where I remember there was one major issue, uh, Batman Vengeance of Bane number one. Bane is like, you will scream my name, you know? And then the Nightfall Part 10, when he's fighting Bird, Zombie, and Trog, and he's just beating him, he's like, who is Bane? Who is Bane? And I think Alan Grant was the artist, and he draws, like, the spit lines, like, connecting lip to lip and floating out there. I was like, damn, that's anger. <laughs> but I always see that every time it's Joe Chill. At least Batman and Bane, they've, they've had an adventure together. They've kind of teamed up. But you never see, like, Batman and Joe Chill teaming like i mean yes there is batman year two but even then batman's like i might kill this guy i might <laughs> kill this guy i'm not supposed to kill but this one's probably gonna be it and i just i think he's a he's a top spot for that one uh for my three i went with uh with rachel ghoul good pick because i i just feel like the ones the ones that like like rachel like okay and and joker is probably the ultimate Batman villain, but he's not my, one of my favorite. Right. I think Joker is the antithesis of Batman. Like where Batman is order, obviously Joker is chaos. And, yeah, and they've really played that up in the last in the movies, the last last movie, and then or the last or in Dark Knight, and then the way the comic books are written now. Uh, but whereas Batman always has a plan, the Joker has. Uh, <laughs> Chaotic, yeah, just like schemes that, like, yeah. yeah and, what else am I gonna let, do? Let's see what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, but Rachel Ghoul plays off of Batman to a larger scale. He never play. He never. He he sees Batman as as almost an equal to himself. And this is a man that's lived for what thousands of years. Yeah, lifetimes. Yeah, you know, uh, and he's he's played chess with world leaders, and he finds Batman to be the ultimate like. Not, almost the ultimate like uh, foe to him. So well, he does because he he finds him like even as an heir. He's like, yeah, my beautiful daughter is yours. Like, could you imagine this mystical looking dude comes up with this beautiful <laughs> woman and is like, she's yours. This is my daughter. And you're like, what? I find you worthy to one replace me, take over my empire, right? and two, uh, you know, wed Here's my daughter. Yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, so, the, oh. I, for for Batman to constantly have to turn him down. <laughs> and then fight him and fight his horde, you know, his yep. his his forces, 
usually on his own, whether sometimes with the you know with the rest of the Bat family, but usually on his own. Yeah, it's usually a solo story. Uh, you know, and and now having to raise his own son, who's also the grandson of Rachel Ghoul, is like I know what a crazy twist, right? So I, I just I, I think he's one of the and and the, the theme among my my three villains is is kind, kind of common too because my second one would be Hush. Hush is another you know character that. Very new in Batman villains. Yeah. But uh, Tommy Elliot, you know, is a character that kind of, I mean, you can kind of say he wanted to be Bruce Wayne. I see. I think I see your theme. And I like it because it's like, Ra's al Ghul has all the network of Batman, but he doesn't use it like Batman. No. <laughs> Tommy Elliot has all the drive of Bruce Wayne. But doesn't use it like Bruce Wayne. I like this. I like this. And so my third would be my third is Riddler, who has all the smarts of of, that of Batman, but doesn't use it the same way. And and they all kind of play the long con with him too. Oh, they do. They, Those they, are amazing epic they, stories. Yeah, they don't. They don't. It's not a bank heist. It's not. Uh, you know, I'm going to kill the, the mayor. It's. Let's see how far down the line Bruce can think about what I'm going to be doing. Like catch catch me. You know. Th- uh, like decade down the, the road, you know. Yeah, well, and I like them because it's like honestly, those are the guys that play for keeps. Yeah, you know, everybody else has like a so a selfish motivation. Like you know, I, I and then the argument is yes, Joker, Joker does that too. You know, Joker is like, hey, you're my favorite plaything. But when it comes down to it, like if if Bruce Wayne were unconscious, unmasked, you know, Joker would like put the mask on and walk away. <laughs> He'd be like, I don't want to lose this. But like Ra's al Ghul would be like, you failed. Him, yeah. He'd kill him. Yeah. You know, Tommy Elliott would be like, finally, I get to kill him. And Riddler would be like, well, as long as I can get rid of the body, no one will ever know who Batman was. That's Except the ultimate me. riddle yeah. that I know. Okay, I'm okay with that. So those, yeah, that, that would be mine. And I, I love the way that the those three characters kind of interact with Either Bruce Wayne or Batman, however you want to see say see him as. I definitely like it. Well, because I like like even and I know you were a big fan of that storyline too. Hush, you know. And at the end, when the whole Tommy Elliot thing happened, um, and then we see you know Batman is in the cell with Riddler, and he's you know they're talking, and Riddler's like, "I totally have you by the balls," <laughs> and then Batman's like, "Yeah." But the minute you give the answer out, no one gives a crap, <laughs> you know. And, and you just see Riddler like. Damn. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, those are great picks. And they, they've always had good stories. I mean, honestly, like I remember, um, well, I've always wanted to read it. I never got a chance to. There was a Batman graphic novel called Run, Riddler, Run. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to read that one. I don't think I've read that one. Um, yeah, well, well, I guess we'll have to check that out. Um, and then I remember one, it was called Batman Dark Knight, Dark City. And it was interesting because Riddler's like, damn it, you know, I got to put Batman through the paces. And he starts messing with, like, the mystical dark occults. And, oh, man, you want to see Riddler scared? Riddler is scared. He's like, I opened up a big thing that I don't want to open up. <laughs> but I also remember that, too, because part of, like, when he was doing all this stuff, it was like he has to have, like, the blood of fresh newborns and stuff like that. So he's kidnapping babies, and, like, it was either him or one of his henchmen. But they're like, oh, man, Batman's chasing after us. What are we going to do? And they literally leave a newborn in the road as they're driving off. And then here comes Batman tearing up right after him. And he just has to stop. And I just remember, again, that was another amazing panel where Batman's, like, slamming on the brakes. And his thought, you know, back when they used to do thought boxes, he's like, dear God, please don't let me have done this. Please don't let me have done this. Not an innocent. Not like this. And, you know, he stops the car and you don't hear the engine anymore. And then you just hear that. Wah. And he's like, oh, thank God. And it's like, <laughs> wow. Like, it, I clenched when I was reading that panel. So, no, those are those are good picks there. They're, they're good head game people. Um, it's funny for me, one of my favorite uh, Ra's al Ghul stories, um, it was during the Red Robin book. And I want to say, I think it was like, I think it ran for 12 issues. It was like 12 or 18, uh, just because it was right before the whole New 52, which so was a shame. Tim Drake was yeah, this is when Tim Drake, when Tim Drake just took over the costume and the name and became Red Robin. And, and even Tim Drake started becoming more worldly, you know, traveling all over the place and whatnot. And Ra's al Ghul was the bad guy on that one. I just thought it was so cool at the end when he looks at Tim and he's like, good job, detective. And it was like, whoa. And, you know, it's like, it's funny how like, wow, that's a good seal of approval. Like, I mean, yeah, Ra's al Ghul just called me detective. This, this is good the news. the same name he gives to, to Batman, you know, to Bruce Wayne, the, 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 the person that, that Tim Drake probably looks up to the most. Yep. So, yeah, no, good picks. I, I definitely would not want to mess with your list. Uh, <laughs> um, <coughs> so from our uh, listeners who were on Facebook, we had uh, 
Ramon, better known as Curly. Uh, <laughs> he his three picks were. Uh, let me pull it up. Oh shoot. We had Joker, Scarecrow, and Ivy. And I like it was you said I, as we said, Joker is you know the antithesis you know of Batman. He's, yes. he's you can't say Batman and people not think the Joker. Oh yeah. So well, even like too, even amongst the Rogues Gallery themselves, they're like. Oh, you know what scary stories the rogues tell, right? Joker stories. <laughs> Joker stories. You know? I, so I doubt like, it. And that is awesome. And I mean, like, he does. Like I said, he, he's got, I mean, if we're talking, like, obviously he's going to win all the time. You know, granted, this is, what are your picks? But even if we took, like, 100 people and you surveyed them, Joker would be on the top of that list. Because, like you said, you can't say Joker without thinking Batman. You can't say Batman without thinking Joker. He is such an amazing character. Um, and if if there's ever the... Ever the the argument for the the villain makes the hero. It's it's the Joker. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You and you and I were huge comic book fans, and we we love heroes as they are. So we, we can we can have Batman without the Joker. But oh, yeah. most people, you know, like their heroes because of the villains. Yep. And the Joker is an ultimate villain. Oh well, he he's a villain of villains. I mean, it's. <laughs> You know, even most, in the DC universe, he's if you don't include him in your little your little gang, oh he's gonna come back at you and be like, "What? I don't get an invitation?" Exactly, no, that's <laughs> true. It's the guy's such a whack job. One one story you'll remember this one uh, when they did the Underworld Unleash crossover, uh-huh. and you know the big bad guys were there: Lex Luthor, Cersei, Ocean Master, and Joker, and they're all talking about how they sold their souls for things. And finally, when they're like, "Joker, what'd you sell your soul for?" and he's like. A box of Cubans, you know. He's just so crazy and off the wall, and he's he's got great stories. Um, yeah, the Martian Manhunter when in JLA Number Ten during the Rock of Ages when he had to like shape his brain like the Joker's. He's like, I get it, I see it now. You know? <laughs> uh, JLA issue thirty five when the Hal Jordan Specter was like, there is no good on this planet, and even Martian Manhunter's like, oh wait a minute, you know. And they go down to this deep hole, and there's this beautiful couple there, and you're like, where does this where does this beauty exist? It's inside the Joker. Yeah. You know, yeah, he is such a great he's such a great character. I mean, and honestly that's that's the neat thing about it is with any character, they're great. It just depends on who writes them. And that's usually true. your 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 finer writers want to cut their teeth on Joker. You know, Alan Moore, before the beard took over, great writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great writer. And I mean, like I said, he gave us, you know, he gave us um the, the, the killing joke, uh, Jim Starlin, which is funny because a lot of people always, and myself included, we always included Jim Starlin as Marvel Cosmic. He actually had a big run on Batman in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who wrote the four-part story, um, oh, God, Death in the Family. Right. And then you should also, if you ever get a chance to read Batman issue, I think it's Batman 450, 451, and it's a two-parter, and it's the first time we see the Joker after those two events. And I won't spoil it for you, but it's a hell of a read. It's real, <laughs> real wild stuff. Uh, and the, uh, the Scarecrow, which, you know, once again, if you think if you think of the Joker, or not the Joker, but the, the, the Batman villains as extensions of Batman himself, you, you can see where, like, the Scarecrow comes in because he is the fear that Batman puts into everybody, not just yeah. villains. I mean, there are n- normal everyday people that probably appreciate that Batman patrols their neighborhood, but they also fear that what if I, st- I step out of line? What if I do something yeah, that the bat will, the come, bat will come for me? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, this, this is this, the scarecrow puts it out there. So, and which I always like, I mean, I don't know if they do that in the comic book as much, but I remember in the, the animated series, uh, Scarecrow has two fear toxins. He has the one where you you have ultimate fear, and there's the one where he takes fear away from you. I don't know if they've really played with it that so much. Like I know, obviously, like that's something that he's dealt with because if you remember Blackest Night, right. when all those like fear monster, when all those monsters are around trying to invoke emotion, and he's just walking there like, ah, oh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't feel anything. So obviously, yeah, through his his experimentation, he's made it. You know, so he he's made it to the point where he doesn't. He doesn't. He's almost jealous. He's like, I wish I could feel what you're feeling. <laughs> I want to taste your fear. Um, well, thing I like about him is he's sick. He is just like it's funny because you have two types of Batman villains, and this goes into what we're going to talk about with Mister Freeze. You have somebody who's just broken, and then you have somebody who gets broken. Right. And I think the better Batman villains are the ones who get broken because that's what happened to Batman. Mm-hmm. You have like okay, obviously with you know uh, season two of Daredevil, 
You know, when, when Daredevil's chained up. Is it okay to say that right now? So there's a line. It's in the trailer. There's a line in the trailer. And that's actually a scene that's exactly from the comic books, too. Yep, and, and he sits there and he said, But uh, the, the line, though, for me was, you're just one bad day away from being me. Yeah. And that is the whole premises of Batman the Killing Joke. And that's what's that's what's wild about it. But then you do have the other villains who are just dirty mother. You know what I mean? And Scarecrow is one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he exp- like uh, depending on which which version you take. But like the animated series, he experimented on his college students. Yep. Like this dude has a great job, and he's just like, I'm gonna make you guys feel horrible. Like, <laughs> what a bag of crap, man. Like, so he is. He's just a good villain. Like he's. I, I again, it's a good pick. You know, that's just somebody I could see. Like, you know, could you imagine like if six or seven of us lived in Gotham and it's like, yeah, we all had to suffer. Remember that bad week of nightmares? <laughs> I say we go get some baseball bats and we go take this mofo out. Which you know, you know also brings up to the fact that we, what was something that we've talked about before, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on this podcast. But how many Batman villains are doctors? Oh my god! I know, like it's. I, I feel like it's like you're, you're. It's like, oh, what was your degree in? What's your under or what's your undergrad? Oh, you know, crimin criminality, not criminology, just criminality. You know? It's like, I mean, like Batman must like. I think he has to attend all Gotham University like graduation ceremonies. Like, who's the next villain? Damn yeah, it, I, know, would, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't that be valedictorian's probably going to come after me. Uh, and and then the last one is Ivy, which I think you know. And I know I come back to this well a lot. Uh, my first experience with her was the animated series, and um, I think her more than any other female character in the DCU. Because I mean, I knew of Wonder Woman beforehand. I knew of the animated or the the Batman sixty six series with you know which had Batgirl in it. Yeah, she is the ultimate like Poison Ivy is like the ultimate feminist character for me. Like. I see that she is so empowered and doesn't and and never needs a dude or a guy to save her or to uh, you know as soon as one tells her what to do she's she's gonna she's all over you like oh you're done now yeah yeah I mean she has the power to use nature against you and where's nature not around you you know what I mean well and it's neat too because and like you said that 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 feministic viewpoint that she has because if you think back to her first movie appearance Batman and Robin. You know, Jason Woodrow, who actually was the Floronic Man. But she even surpassed him as a character. And, mm-hmm. like, she was, like, her the lowly, you know, assistant scientist. And then it's like, wait, the powers chose me? Oh, you're in for it now. <laughs> you know, she just went after him. Even in the show, you know, when she attacked Harvey Dent. And then later on, when she was always helping Harley, she's like, you need to leave that guy. He's a jerk. Right. I'll hurt him for you. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, she is... Uh, Again, another fiery redhead, which is a, a theme that comic book should have taught me something. Um, but yeah, what a what a character! And like, I, I I do like that because it's like in some aspects, you know, yes, she's fighting for a good cause. You know, it's like, yeah, why not help plants and greenery? But you know, at the same time, I don't want to die. You know, so it's like, well, I'm not all about letting the jungle take over. But yeah, she is. She's another hardcore character. So. She's a very yeah, very hardcore character. One that you know is is I think gets a lot of the respect that she deserves, but then also doesn't get the respect that she deserves. Yeah, she does get... And again, too, actually, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, but she's another chemist, biologist, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. she's another class-level genius person, you know? <laughs> and, and I always remember, I think it was Batman the Animated Series. Remember the one where she went legit? Yeah. And she created that Spore family. That was going to And help. so she had the husband and the kids, but oh, turns oh, out yeah, they yeah. were like yeah. these weird zombie plant spores. <laughs> and, and I always felt bad in that episode because it's funny because in that episode, Batman's the jerk. Like, if he had just let her go and do her thing, she might have gone legit. Who knows? Yeah, you know? she, if she could just lived in, in the fantasy that this was her loving family and all that stuff. But no, he had to, yeah. he had to expose it for them being plant people. And, and it's like, here's my pesticides. Ha ha ha! You know, and <laughs> boom, she was just destroyed. Um, so then John Camarena also put up Joker, Riddler. And one, you know, you might not think, or at least most people wouldn't think of for a villain... Uh, especially a Batman villain. Yeah. Uh, but Onomatopoeia. And I know I didn't say that right, but I never say it right. It worked for me. It sounded, but, it sounded like it rolled so, off the tongue. So Joker and Riddler, we've already talked about quite a bit. Um, but uh, Onomatopoeia Pia <laughs> is uh, uh, Kevin Smith created. Yep. Originally shows up in Green, uh, Green Arrow. Arrow. Right. Yep, his, when they his brought Green, Green Arrow, Arrow back. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Smith brings back Ollie Queen from the dead. 
this is a hitman that's uh, you know uh, uh, basically a merc. He's 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 gets hired by whoever to kill whoever, and they have him coming after uh, Green Arrow. Now, eventually, he shows up in Batman books. Cause I Again, think, written by Kevin Smith. Well, I think, yeah, he originally shows up in the in the one written by Kevin Smith, but they, I think they started using him in the other books, too. I'm, not having to do with Kevin Smith. I'm not too sure. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like, they, they popped him in as kind of like, hey, look, he is in the universe after all. But I know definitely, like, he was just kind of like, hey, this is Kevin Smith's pet project. He's going to sneak him in. Right, So right. maybe somebody might have done something as a homage, a one or two issue. But, but, yeah, but just what a striking character visually. And I always just like that whole, like, you know, it's like in the panel you see the gunshot, and then the next word bubble is him saying the same thing. Like, blam, blam, yeah. You know, and, I mean, obviously, which works in comic books, right? Because you, uh, you can have the the character say the word, and it, it, and in your mind, it sounds the exact same. But I mean, you can't really get in the in the TV world or movie world to oh, God. to get a person to re redo the the sound. Well, we get the guy from Police Academy. Michael Winslow, I guess you could probably get <laughs> you that. Know, but, but again, could you imagine how creepy that would be? Like, okay, you know, like you, you hear that silent slice across your throat, and then somebody mimics that sound, like, you yeah. know, like, whoa, that would be scary. You it know? Would. I mean, I mean, and, it, it's... and that's what, what um, uh, Kevin Smith had said, because when they, they came up with the whole uh, Green Arrow TV show or the Arrow TV show, I guess they had asked him, do you think that they'll ever put uh, – Onomatopoeia in in the show, and he says, "I don't think he lends himself to be in a TV world. Like it, it's not a character that could. I would love it if they tried. It's be. a character that's never been unmasked. It's a character that uh, you know would be very interesting. So, well, they'd have to. There'd definitely be a lot of story to br- to build there. Um, which, not to say that it couldn't be done, but yeah, again, and I do agree. I think he lends himself way better the comic book page." Um, and that you know the another thing about him is that he's a character that Batman hasn't figured out yet. Batman when whenever he goes up against a, a bad guy, one of his villains, he calls him by their civilian name to to show to like almost take away power from him. When he goes up against Scarecrow, he doesn't call him Scarecrow, he calls him Crane. He says uh Jonathan Crane, you know, yeah. you know, you don't have to do this Crane. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it take, it takes the power away from him. So that's one of the things that he doesn't have against the Joker because he doesn't know who yeah, the Joker is. He's fighting he's a always, random you might now, but well, nobody knows yet. We yeah. haven't. We're waiting exactly. to see. <laughs> but you know, originally he, he couldn't call him anything other than the Joker. Yeah. So you know, that's that's one of the things that that, uh, that Onawanapia has. No one knows who he is. No, nobody does. I, and the only person that knows is Kevin, unless somebody decides to come in and be <laughs> like, "Hey, uh, here's what I'm doing." Yeah. yeah well, all right, <laughs> DC Rebirth. We've got this. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's what's neat about characters like that because, like. When they're new to you, you know, they're new to the whole thing. Like, I mean, remember the power that Hush had at the start? Oh, man. You know, that was, was exciting. And now that I've learned the Jeff Loeb formula for comic books, <laughs> it's who he kills. That's who it turns out to be. Right. I mean, read Red Hulk. Read any of them. But before that, you were like, wow, who is this? And then when there was the possibility that, oh, my God, it's Jason Todd. How much cooler was that? And then, you know, it, it turned into what it was. Oh, I but, wanted it to be Jason Todd oh, so bad. I was just looking forward to that because, again, you know, well, actually, this just barely beat out Winter Soldier. But, I mean, I don't know. I like Legacy. And to me, it's like when you have Jason be dead, you know, and I understand the significance, but still, it would have been kind of neat that, like, oh, you know, here's somebody he trained and they went to the other side. Yeah, that would have been something. Uh, so then who we're talking about today is Mr. Freeze and uh, no one picked him. Which is understandable. He's, you know, for as, as, as like, iconic look as he has, and he's, the fact that he's been in a movie, he's been in a TV, sh- the TV, TV show now, shows. two TV shows. Yeah, TV he shows. The, he well, he was 66 in 66 Batman. Yep, 66 Batman, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, we've got him in the Batman when they did that show for a while, and then I guess he's even in the Batman Arkham game. Yeah, exactly. So I don't he's... think there's too much that people actually know about him. You know, he's not... A character that has gotten a lot of he doesn't get as much story love. time yeah. and love. Yeah, uh, it's, exactly. It's true because like even in the comics, um, honestly, I would say I think since New Fifty Two, I think his first appearance in the New Fifty Two was that Batman Annual One. Um, so I mean, that was you know when they did the first annuals. I think we were like a year deep, and it's like wow, he just barely barely got a shout out there. Um, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't get as much love as he could. Um, 
Which is a shame because he's an interesting character. So when he was first created and brought to us back in February of 1959, issue number 21, 121 of Batman, he was given to us as Mr. Zero. And then I guess according to uh, Wikipedia here, um, the producers of the Batman 66 show were like, no, let's call him Mr. Freeze. Right. So then finally. In, so that's, that's interesting that, you know. Yeah, they were the ones who changed this. Gave him his name, his Mr. Freeze name. Well, it's funny because, like, the comic books don't give him much, but the TV shows give him a lot more. Exactly. And that's um, what we'll get into when we get to the animated series. Well, we can even talk about that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so for those of you, um, hopefully, if you have not watched this, find it and watch it. You'll enjoy it. Um and it's funny because I was thinking about this too. Like I, I remember reading comics. I was, you know, I remember going to like thrift stores and you know whatever comic books were there and reading them. And and you know my my adventures were all over the place. You know, I'd read something Golden Age, I'd read something Silver Age, I'd read something modern. You know, then I'd go to Circle K's and uh, I remember a comic book spinning rack. How cool were those? <laughs> like I feel sad as a comic book collector. I don't have one yet. You know, I need to get one <laughs> and just put my own comics on that. You know. You know what though? It's so bad about them is that. You get the the bend, like because the because of gravity and weird. But we but, have backboards. Come okay, on, fair man. enough. We you're have right, backboards, right. but I think of it just God. The whole the, remember the whole wonder of it. You remember spinning that damn thing, you know, and just <laughs> what's in it, what's on it, you know, like God. It was just such a memorable time. But anyways, um, you know, my, my my adventures were always just all over the place. You know, I'd be reading. You know, Green Lantern, like Al Jordan, and one minute he's a guy in his 20s, next minute he's a guy in his 40s with gray streaks. You know, like, what the hell? But I didn't care because they were so wonderful. And, and, you know, and I mean, remember life before the internet? Jeez. I don't want to remember life before oh, the internet. I well, love you, life with the internet. No, no, I, I, I love both. I love both. But I mean, like, okay, I guess I'm going to turn this into like a corny Green Lantern story. But, well, no, because it was kind of cool. Like, um, the summer before my senior year of high school, uh, my dad and I, we took a road trip to go visit family back in Philadelphia. And, of course, I'm like, hey, as we're driving along, can we stop by any comic book shops? Can we find one? Can we do this? And, I mean, there were no Google Maps. There was no way to know what was going on. So, I mean, literally, when we'd stop somewhere, pull a phone book out and then look at the map in the phone book and try to find the address and go do it. And, thankfully, my dad was a mailman, so he's like, oh, I could figure this, you know. And we would. And I remember my big goal for that trip was to piece together Green Lantern Emerald Dawn 1 through 6, Emerald Dawn 2, 1 through 6, and Green Lantern 1 through 8. Somehow, and this actually, there, I think, yeah, there was a little bit of internet help. Um, there was a website, uh, emeralddawn.com, and it was just for posting pictures of Green Lantern. And I'd look at these pictures, and I would try to piece together the story. And finally, I understood that, yeah, there was, you know, those three stories that I mentioned. And I remember doing, you know, just trying to buy them as best as I could. I remember I had to buy like a $10 bag of 10 comics just to get one of the pieces, one of the issues. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. That's still cheaper. And, 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 and reading it together. And, and I think, honestly, and it's funny because, you know, we, we joke about that too. And we get mad. We're like, oh, all these people are going to watch the movies. and they're gonna... But we kind of did that. We watched the TV shows. And why did we watch the TV shows? Because it was a free comic book. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was the first time you got a free comic book. You would run home, you know, every day after school and turn on Fox and dun 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 dun. Right? Yeah. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. You didn't even care if you had your you you waited till commercial break before you took your backpack off. You know, like you did everything you could to get there. And so anyway, sorry, I digress. So <laughs> Batman the animated series. There, I think it was a two parter, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Heart of Ice. And we see this. This this meek scientist guy, and he's got this beautiful wife, and obviously she's hurt somehow. Well, actually, no, I think it opens already with the villain. You know, there he is. He's and he's. Then I love the voice effect that they did. You know, like uh, Batman. Or, ah, this is gonna be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could use your uh, editing stuff there later to, <laughs> to make my Mister Freeze voice. But he was just this tragic character. By the end of the episode, you learned that it's like he is us. He's the guy fighting against the big machine. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just had a woman, and it's like if they had let me use these machines for fifteen minutes, this my my wife, my wife, my wife would have been saved, and life would have been okay. And you guys were like, no, that'll cost $100. I would have given you $300. <laughs> and instead, they did that, and they, they ruined his and her lives. And not only did they ruin but, I mean, then the, the fallout creating Mr. Freeze. And, and then uh, it's funny because then Batman Beyond continued the torch of that Mr. Freeze. Which I thought was great. You know, oh, he, that was so he, cool. I mean, because he's a character that's essentially cryogenically frozen inside of his suit, 
he doesn't age. So he, he gets to Batman Beyond. He's seen Gotham go through what it went through and then had an old Batman and then now a new young Batman, you know? Yeah. So he, he's, he's been around. And he, oh, well, then how creepy was it, too? Remember when, like, the suit would open up and it'd just be the head on the spider legs? Oh, God! <laughs> Good! You know? <laughs> oh, that was so just... It was a creepy visual because he had those red goggle eyes, you know, and and then they still kept the voice, you know, and it, yeah, same it, voice, oh, yeah. God. So that was that, and, and so we have to give a uh, 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 shout out to Paul Denny, the, yes. the one of the main writers for Batman the Animated Series. He he is the one that gave us Harley Quinn as a character in yep, general, brand new. Uh, he created her for the for the animated series. The DC loved her so much that they ended up. You know, putting incorporating her, her in, incorporating yeah. her into the to the actual canon of DC Comics, and then for a character that had been around obviously since fifty nine, yep, nineteen fifty nine, uh, and had no real backstory. He just was a guy with a freeze gun. Uh, I mean, essentially, Captain Cold was a better character, right? Exactly. Even though uh, Mister Zero came first, Captain Cold at least had drive and motivation right so um, this guy had nothing and until paul, paul denny came up with this story about yeah. uh, a wife that was dying and needed uh you know to be cryogenically frozen the machines were only at the the place where uh dr fry or yeah dr fry's work and he was uh you know he needed terrorized by the supervisor <laughs> butthole yeah, yeah like, and said no, no we we're can't not doing do that. this yeah and oh. eventually the experiment blows up, and now he's Mr. Freeze. You know, a whole backstory for a character that didn't did, that didn't exist because yeah, of, of Paul Denny. Paul Denny. Yeah, none of that existed. I mean, before that, he was just you know some guy running around like, oh well, I've, I've got this cold theme. Let me steal ice. Let me steal diamonds. You know, and it was diamonds. Just like, yeah, which you know, apparently came from the the the, the Batman sixty six. Uh, episodes where he first started stealing diamonds i could see that because again you know it's an easy prop it probably looked and, good and everybody thinks ice you know diamonds and yeah, ice are kind of the same ice, thing yeah and uh but yeah paul denny um and i'd be even curious like bruce tim he probably gave some help in there too those guys transformed that character and honestly from that moment uh heart of ice till um you know the end of well, before pre pre new fifty two, that is the best era of that character. Yes, you know he just he had better drive, he had better motivation. I mean, even so much so that uh, they they made Batman Mask of the Phantasm, yeah, like the first. That was the first, first animated movie. First yeah. animated movie for Batman, and pro- to me, probably the first like actual representation for a movie of our <laughs> Batman because Batman wow. eighty nine after go like. Okay, watching Batman '89 as a kid, I was like, "This is fucking awesome." Of Don't course, yeah. No, as a kid, those things are fantastic. And I had never read a Batman comic book at that point. Hey, you and Tim Burton have something to comment. <laughs> hey, <all right. laughs> but so then, once I go back and you read them, you're like, "This is not Batman. It's not. It's not exactly what I." This Batman: The Mask of the Phantasm probably the best oh. interpretation of Batman on the big screen. Yeah, that was a beautiful. Kevin Conroy do- knows how to do the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne. And- you know, and it's funny. Kevin Conroy and Christopher Reeves, a major shadow to those two guys because they get it. They get the whole difference between Clark, Bruce, Batman, and Superman. So, and not many people so. get no, that. No, they don't. You know, like Michael Keaton, like, uh, of course, you know, like when I think of Batman, that always comes to my mind. Why? Because it was one of the first representations I saw. It was exciting as a kid. But, you know, and no offense to Michael Keaton, but he didn't do much. You know, it's not like he was like, I'm Michael Keaton. I'm Michael Keaton. You know, like Christian Bale did it to like the 10th level, which was cool. I enjoyed it. I know a lot of fans didn't or some didn't, but you know, but, but I mean, Kevin Conroy nailed that to the point where it's like, are there two voice actors? You know, like that was awesome. Exactly. That was awesome. That was, I don't know if that was his genius that brought that or if the voice director was like, here's what we want. And I mean, (laughs) just whoever made that call. Thank you. That was awesome. So well, what I was trying to get to is that the second animated movie they decided to do after Mask of the Phantasm yep. with the you know the, the popularity of that story in that movie was a Batman, uh, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero. Yeah, Sub-Zero. I mean, oh. they, 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 they had such high respects for this character that they gave him the second movie. Yeah. No, I, um, I remember that movie. That was such a great one, just the, the story and the adventure that Batman, Robin, and Batgirl go through against uh, Mr. Freeze was just awesome. Well, I mean, like, I'd be curious, like, I'd be interested to see if you could talk with uh, Denny and Tim and ask them, you know, like, did they have, like, this 
you know, awesome passion for Mr. Freeze. And they're like, no, we want to see him more because they did. They did so much for the character that they totally recreate him in such a fantastic way that that's what we saw in Batman and Robin the movie. Because even then, the, the, the Mr. Freeze, like, yes, there's some homage times where they pay homage, you know, where, like, when he was making the bad guys dance and they're in the cooler, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's definitely some Batman 66 stuff. But even then, it's like, and, and you know, here's some, some credit to Joel Schumacher. He did say, I want to create the Batman 66 movies. Right. So now that's it makes sense. I'm like, oh, that's where all the neon and nipples come from. Uh, 1966. Check your Wikipedia, children. Uh, <laughs> but they they took they even though they had all that they still took that origin story and it's an it's an amazing origin story you know and they took it and they used it and they did it right and yeah the the, the Mister Freeze that you know um, is fantastic. Now a question that comes to you and I hope I don't put you on the spot with this. Did you get to see his issue his episode of Gotham the Mister Freeze episode? Yes the the two episodes. Uh, of Gotham, where they uh, basically it's the it's his origin story, which that's kind of what Gotham has become. It's the origin story of just about every villain yeah. you can think of. Uh, it starts off as they don't really give Mister Frice a job. I don't think I, I don't think I really caught it in there, but he was doing experiments in his in his basement on uh, basically just random people that he he found. He freezes them and then tries to bring them back, but uh, thawing them out and reanimating them because wow. his his wife is dying because Nora is dying. Okay, so he's using them as patient. He's got patient zero and he's using them as the test patient. Right. Okay. So cool. He, All right. Good. Phew. I was kind of like, oh man, <laughs> don't make him a creeper. <laughs> so the the whole idea is that uh, Nora is, is is dying and she's upstairs, whereas downstairs is, he's he's got random people that he's frozen. And he and each one, uh, they they deteriorate after they unfreeze. Okay. Until the point where he actually figures it out, he gets he gets the formula down. And uh, Nora then finds out that he was experimenting on people. He thought she was just she thought he was just doing it on rats. Oh wow! So uh, when and spoilers if you haven't watched the episodes yet, uh, but she uh, when she figures it out, she is sitting there waiting for uh, Victor to freeze her. Uh, with his his the, the correct formula, and he walks away. She replaces it with the incorrect form, formula, so that she, when he freezes her, she dies. Like she freezes and then breaks apart and dies. Oh my! So she God. killed herself because she realized that she saw how. And it's it's basically the whole the whole thing is 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 so that Leslie the character of Leslie Tompkins can sit there and relate to her because uh, she says I, this whole time I saw what Victor was doing. I saw him going further and further down the road, you know, into this darkness that I couldn't pull him away from because he thought he was doing the right thing, you know, and I thought he was doing the right thing, but right. He, and he was doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Oh. So it's the whole Leslie like having to think about I'm letting Gordon do the wrong things for the right reasons. Like I'm, I, I let him get away with killing Galavan. I let him get away with killing that other dude. You know, I, I let him get away with teaming up with the Penguin. Wow. Because it's all for the right reasons. Yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Exactly. Oh. So it's it's all pl- it's all p- playing on on Leslie's mind, and she has she sits there and she has to watch Nora die wow. from this. And then when Nora like the whole freeze is ready to give up, Fries is ready to give up. He says, "Okay, I've I found the cure for my wife. Get the cops over here. I, I'll go to jail. Just let me cure her." And when they she she dies, he kind of just he breaks. Wow, and his suit that he's created for himself, he he tampers with it and it it freezes him, and you think that he's dead, but you know that's when they come back to Indian Hill and Hugo Strange and Hugo Strange wants the formula of how to reanimate bodies and he's like, look, uh, because of what your suit did, you are at a permanent sub zero temperature. If you ever go above sub zero, you're going to die. You can't be in any type of heat. You always have to be in cool weather, you know, basically what we know of Sub-Zero or right. of Mr. Freeze. Wow, that's awesome. So they stick to a pretty good version of his, his origin stories and how, how it comes about and, and uh, you know, wh- why he has to be in the suit all the time. Well, and I like that because there's definitely a, you know, Jeff Johns' CCO has to do, okay, this is what we're currently doing in the comics. This is what the TV shows and the movies are going to be. So let's let's find a fine line. Um <laughs> Batman Annual Number One, the the post fifty two, 
Uh, that is where we get our first peek at Mr. Freeze's new origin. And in that one, we discover that it's his mom that he's got kind of this obsession and the cure idea for. So his mom falls through the ice. You know, she gets frozen. He brings her out. Uh, he's doing everything, but she she's just in constant pain. So he, he freezes her. Um, and then eventually he puts her in the ice and he's like, okay, there's nothing I can do for you. Then he gets the job, you know, working for Wayne tech or Wayne enterprises, whatever they call themselves now. And, you know, but then he meets Nora and instead of it being the classic Nora, his wife, this is Nora, some woman from the 1920s who was cryogenically frozen so she could be revived in the future and saved. And he's doing everything he can. He's working on her. He's getting obsessed. And that's when Bruce Wayne is like, dude, that's creepy. We're canceling this. And then, of course, you know, Victor loses it, starts bashing up the place, and then that's how he gains his powers. And it's such a shame because it takes the drive out. Like, we basically kind of learn that Victor is just a nut job. He likes freezing people. And I like that, obviously, you know, with this Gotham, they, they, they're like, okay, well, we got to give him a new spin. And I like that the fact that it's like he was doing awful things, but you get why he's doing it. It wasn't because he's like, well, it's Tuesday and there's nothing good on TV. I'll freeze people. I'll go kidnap homeless people and freeze them. No, it's like, I need my wife to live. And if that means killing you because of these trial test errors, that's okay with me. And it's like, wow. And, and I like how you even said that he was kind of like, look, I, hey, now that I got the cure figured out, I'm willing to go to jail just as long as my wife's alive as deep. That's deep. That's right. that's beautiful character, and I like that. And for them to take that away in the New Fifty Two with putting him just obsessed Ugh. with Nora, a, a person he's never met before, it, it it makes him more of a psychotic, yes, but it doesn't make him more of a a broken person, like you said. Like the ones that there's the the Batman villains that are broken, and there's the ones that are psychotics. Yep. I mean, he literally went from like a Joker level where you understood that he had a bad day and became this monster, versus where he's the Scarecrow, where he's always been a monster, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a shift, and and in Mister Freeze's regard, that's a downgrade, in my opinion. You know, and I don't know if you're if you agree with that or not. Definitely chime in, let us know. Um, but they took they took something away from that, and that's a shame. But I'm glad to see that the TV show gave some of it back, and hopefully that'll spin into the comics here very soon. So, and this is the the power of, of podcasting with the internet. You, while we were talking, we had one more entry from Daniel Warren. What? <laughs> Of his top three villains, and uh, I put it right here. He put Joker, Rachel Ghoul, Bane. So we've talked about Joker. We talked about Rachel Ghoul. We didn't talk about Bane yet. He says so many to choose from, but those were the first three that came to mind. I think Bane's intelligence doesn't get as much credit as his brawn, but I love how he is both emotionally, mentally, and of course physically broken broke down the Batman during the Nightfall storyline. Very true. I one hundred percent agree with that. Um, so tracking down the comic books, um, I had missed when Nightfall began. And back in the day, they used to do these three for a dollar. And they were basically reprints. And I managed to get, it was basically Nightfall Part Zero, One and 2. And so I did everything I could to track down the rest of them. And I spent so much money, but I managed to piece together Nightfall. And then they're like, here's Night Quest. And then here's Night Quest The Search. And then here's <laughs> Night End. And I was like, yep, I can't afford that. And I was one of those punk kids um, you know, go. I won't say the name of the store. I don't know if they can still prosecute me or not. But I remember going to the store and they they had the novel, <laughs> the novel, probably not the statue limitations. Statue, yeah, it's probably so we're okay. Uh, or maybe I'm just making up a really cool story, huh? You never, yeah. you never thought about that. <laughs> so this character kid, right? He really wants to read what's going on. <laughs> but sorry, so they had the Batman Nightfall uh, hardcover novel novelization, and I was like, I got to do this. You know, so I, I, I got it. I got it at a good price. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And I read that thing. And Bane's character was amazing. Now, granted, yes, the words in my imagination took him to some places. But, I mean, if you get a chance to read Batman Vengeance of Bane, that is – I mean, Bane was such a – like, it's funny because Bane and Doomsday, they're, these, they're classic villains now. But before, everybody was kind of like upset. Like, it's like, really? Superman died and it wasn't Luther? Batman was broken and it wasn't Joker? Who the hell are these rookies? You know, <laughs> who's doing this stuff? And now they're like staples in comic book history. Very much so, yeah. Um, but Bane, man, he was just awesome. I mean, I remember, he, you know, he pulls out that RPG and blast Arkham spilling its mad guts onto the city. And it's just like, this guy plays for keeps, you know? <laughs> and like I said, I go back to that, that, that quote he had in Batman Vengeance of Bane. 
you know, Batman's fighting some guys. Bane covers his guard. And then Batman's looking at him like, you know, like, okay, who's this new punk? And then Bane's like, you own the city. But one day I will come and I will break you. And upon that day, you will scream my name. And it's just like, what a crazy-ass prophecy. And it came true. You know, I mean, you got Batman just at his wit's end. Like, I remember the Joker and Scarecrow team up. They kidnapped the mayor. And then Batman's doing everything he can to save him. And, and it was such a sad moment because Batman is so tired. He's fought like Mad Hatter. All these crazy, like, mental and physical giants. And he's just so broken and battered. Like, literally to the point where, like, Detective Bullock sneaks up on Batman. Like, he shines a line on Batman. And he's even like, what's wrong with you? And Batman's like, you know, just like, get that away. (laughs) And so, anyways, I remember... He he finally saves the mayor, and of course this big tunnel that they're in is going to get flooded. And Batman's like, I'm not going to make it. And the mayor's like panicking, and he's just like, okay. So he takes knockout gas, knocks out the mayor, and then he wraps him up in the cape. And he's like, all right, he has like maybe 10 minutes of oxygen. If I don't succeed, he drowns. Maybe it's better this way. Whoa, <laughs> that is some defeatist talk. And sure enough, Batman swims, gets to the door. He's twisting with everything underwater. He opens the door, gets out. And then, you know, he's just sitting there. And even the mayor's like, I don't know. I don't know what that guy's made of, but he never quit. He's an amazing man. And, and the mayor went from being like a J. Jonah Jameson to totally siding with Batman. And, you know, he just orchestrated Batman to his lowest of lows. You know, like it, it would have been interesting, like maybe if they could have talked more about it. But like, you know, I, I feel that Bane could have driven Batman Bruce Wayne to the point of suicide. Like once he destroyed his mind and once he destroyed his body, I could just see Bruce sitting there like that could have been. I don't know. I, obviously, I, I remember they did a lot of little service ads, you know, like don't don't antagonize AIDS and don't be a bully and stuff like that. But I mean, they could have had something where like you picture Bruce Wayne sitting in a wheelchair kind of depressed and there's a gun. You know, would he have looked at it? And you'd all you'd have to do is just draw six panels. I know it would be the most boring page, but it, the the reader that really reads would be looking at that and being like, "Well, what was Bruce thinking in those six panels as he stares at that gun?" So no, Bane is a is a tour de force, and when done correctly, he's an amazing villain. It's very true. I mean, and just like Daniel said, you know, he's one that he matches uh, intelligence in the in the form of of uh, strategy to to Batman. He like most of the time you when you you saw him in the animated series, he doesn't usually get to have the in the the intelligence part. He's more of the I'm going to be the strongest man there is. I'm you know, I need I need the venom to to pump up my my veins and stuff like that. That's how he was portrayed in uh Ugh. uh Batman Batman and Robin with yeah. with Mr. Mr. Freeze. He's he's literally a, not a talking he's a he's a non-talking monster. He's a Frankenstein. Oh yeah, I remember that one point where like uh Poison Ivy just slaps the little red button on his chest and he's like you know, he just walks yeah. out and goes and it's like, "Oh, that's such a shame." And you know, it's so when they he comes around in Dark Knight Rises, you know, portrayed by uh, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy, yeah, you know, he we get a a super intelligent villain who who who, who does beat Batman hand to hand, and then beats him strategically by taking over his whole city. Yeah. But then you kind of get robbed at the end because you find out it's all Talia's doing, like it's her plan. It's her idea. Yeah, he's just a foot soldier. Now. Yeah, like, oh. he's just the, the the mouthpiece. But you know, I still like to think that he was he was still instrumental in, in doing the whole in a lot of that. So, and which you know, Bane is an interesting character because he is uh, he's the, the the character that's born in the prison, the Santa Prisca prison. Yeah, his father you was know, such a horrible man that he has arrest, to pay for his. Well, they sins arrested too. his pregnant wife. Right, like this is how screwed up the origins of Bane are. His father was so horrible. So when they arrested the father. Like, the mother, like, well, his wife was in there, too, and, and she gets pregnant. And the dad either escapes or dies, and they're going to make her serve the rest of the sentence. And then, and then she eventually gives birth to the kid, and they're just like, okay, well, the kid will serve the sentence. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell, dude? And then, of course, that's where the whole thing with the little teddy bear comes from, you know? Like, that was his only... And it's funny because, like, I remember there was an artwork somewhere where, like... Uh, he he turned the teddy bear. He would hold it and he used it as a shiv too. Like he would he created mm-hmm. a knife in there. And you're like, damn, this kid learned at a young age. Like I gotta be screwed up. It's time to take you on. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, Mister Freeze and a little bit of other Batman villains for you uh, in this. Imagine if presents characters 101, Mister Freeze. Yeah, this was definitely a dark night of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you have any other characters you'd like to hear us talk about, you know, shoot us a line. We have uh, 
plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Uh, our Facebook page is probably the most prominent, uh, Geek Elite Radio on Facebook. There's at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. We each have our own personal Twitter uh, accounts. So you can find me there most of the time, which is at agent underscore of the underscore bat, which is also a Batman-related uh, <laughs> character, if you know your characters. Came out around the same time as Bane. <laughs> a little bit of, yeah, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, for, uh, Chris is also known as at things I should have said. At stuff I should say. Stuff I should stuff say. Stuff I should say and the should, S-H-U-D. Um I think more than I say, so by the power of Twitter, I should be saying more. <laughs> <laughs> so get a hold of us any way you want. Uh, our website is geekleetradio.com, where we have archives of our old podcasts and uh, more information about each one of us. So if you have uh, if you uh, have anything else you want to say to us, get a hold of us there. But until next time, this has been Imagine If presents Characters 101. On the Geekly Radio Network. Say until next time, geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.